no, I'm not afraid of death and I want to make movies about death. And I think it's important for me cathartically to do so. Let it rip. All right, Andrew Mack. Here we are. How the hell are you for a second time? I am well. Thank you. We just recorded for seven minutes Mm -hmm. and I've deleted it. That's right. Why? Because I think we were both over analyzed. Like we weren't talking. Right. We were just like staring at each other and you were acting like this is some formal interview and not like. I think it's because you and I talk so easily day to day at any time that now the situation of the conversation is different. And we were both getting used to it, but now we're just here sitting, we're talking, we're letting it rip. And it's going to be a party. It's going to be a good time. There's going to be chaos and it's, it's just going to be, it's going to be a fun time. Yeah. I think it was also a part of it is knowing, I feel like people are going to listen to this because they want, I don't know. I'm a very nosy person. I feel like if some couple posted a podcast together, I would listen to it just to Mm. see how they talk together. Mm. And then I would overanalyze them Mm -hmm. and be like, oh, they did this or, oh, why'd they say this? And Mm. I'm like thinking about how I would listen to us, like from like a third person perspective. Well, yeah, it's interesting because you have people on this podcast who some of them you don't know. You you met, uh, you met uh, Marco when he came in and then you just started recording. Both of them. Right. And you probably know me better than anyone on planet Earth. And we have to talk about something new now, Yeah, which is, think, which is very difficult. Your job is really not cut out for you right now. But, the, but I talked to Mimi and I've known her literally my whole life. You don't see Mimi every day, though. I don't. You didn't know what was up with her the week before you saw her. Yeah. I see you four or five times a week. Yeah, I feel like with when I'm talking to somebody who's more of a stranger, I can ask questions a lot more. I just burp. About okay, you got you got to let it. <laughs> oh, there it is again. Oh, okay. I ask questions a lot more organically because I truly don't know, but I feel like I know so much about you. Well, then maybe the conversation shouldn't be about like what is going on in my life since you know so much about that. Mm-hmm. Maybe more of what we think about how shit. How I feel about it. Okay. Like like the car ride. Like our car ride situation. <laughs> Opinions. Just touchy subjects. Okay. Do you want are you okay with that? Sure. We'll <laughs> so see. in the car ride here today, mm-hmm. we were talking about several people have told you mm-hmm. that they think it's unhealthy you count calories. Yeah. Or that you're even aware. I mean, even if you don't log them directly into your phone. That I do you, my fitness pal. Yeah, you've done that before. But even if you're not doing that, you still will acknowledge about how many calories are in something. I guesstimate, sure. And yeah, so some, several people have told you they think that's not a healthy thing to do. They have. Me being one of those people. You being <laughs> one of those people, probably the main one of those people. I didn't realize. I didn't think you were actually hearing that, though, because I would say comments just to I like, <laughs> I hear you. No, you, you, but you think it's okay. Have been critical of my calorie counting and I want to know your reasoning. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm asking, I'm asking you because we're talking about how I'm criticized for it. And I know I want to get it out there, what the criticism is before I can respond to it. Yeah. The criticism from me and I, it sounds like from what you've told me from other people, mm-hmm. it's just counting calories can be a very slippery slope into unhealthy eating habits and potentially 
eating disorders. And that very well may be the case for a yeah. lot of people. And it just really affects relationships with food. If instead of looking at, at looking at food as something to enjoy, if you're sitting down, like we, before we record, like sat down to record this, we went and you got a milkshake. I got a root beer float. It's delicious. And instead of just sitting there and us both enjoying it, and talking about whatever, mm -hmm. you made a comment about how many calories were in it, yep. what you're going to eat later because of what you're drinking now. And I yep. feel like because of the focus on calories, it can take you or anybody who counts calories, I think it could take you out of the moment and you become less present because all you're talking about is food when that's like a very personal thing. Mm -hmm. If that, I, I mean. Fair, but, but yeah, there, there is a lot of criticism that I've gotten for counting calories in the MyFitnessPal app, to be specific. And then there's something else to be said about me guesstimating and being like, oh, this is 3,000 calories in one milkshake. Yeah. I'm probably going to take it easy for the rest of the day, maybe have a chicken breast. Yeah. But here's my perspective on it. So I have fluctuated with how I deal with food. I was in really good shape in high school mm -hmm. towards like my senior year because I was playing sports. I was hanging out with my friends. We were playing sports together for fun. Uh, and I could eat whatever I wanted kind of, but I would just take it easy. I like, I wouldn't overindulge. And then it was almost like that freshman year of college too. But then when I turned 21 and I could legally drink, I descended into this like, I just drank and ate in ways that was not good for my body. I was I had no respect for my body. I was mm -hmm. just overindulging at every meal, it seemed. Mm -hmm. And I gained a lot of weight because of it. And sorry, I got to go into the mic. I then realized I needed to get back in shape. And then I tried to do the keto diet which is super restrictive, no carbs, no yeah, sugar. Yeah, I talked about it with Mackenzie. Like yeah. She hates um, it. And, and it worked. That's, that's, that's the thing I would say is that well, it, it worked. Well, it worked temporarily, though. Exactly. It worked temporarily. But then once I was done with it, I was in slightly better shape. But then I just wanted to go to the cheesecake factory. Yeah, right? it's not and I sustainable did, at all. And, and I ate. <laughs> okay, this is a bad story. But I went to the cheesecake factory with my friend. The day after I, like, like the meal I was quitting keto, mm -hmm. I ate a bunch of French fries and I had a cheesecake and I went in the bathroom and yacked it all up just oh. because like my body couldn't handle the carbs and sugar all at once. That's like you, you did that on purpose? No. Okay. No, no, no. It just, that's the way my body was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Cause you went from like depriving yourself yeah. to then having an overload of yeah. sugar. Yeah. It was tough. And then it was just more of that. It was like, I've been dieting. I deserve this. Right. And then there was, no, no, no. And that's, these are fair, I've gotten to a point where I'm comfortable with food and I'm walking you along that process. Oh, okay. Uh, it was only January of 2020 mm -hmm. that I really decided that I was going to get myself into shape mm -hmm. in a sustainable way that wasn't restrictive at all. Okay. I wasn't cutting anything. I would have whatever I wanted. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. Burp. <laughs> I would have whatever I wanted. I could drink. I could go out and party. Uh -huh. I could have a cheesecake. I could have Oreos. 
at every meal. But I had to keep track of that somehow so that it wouldn't get out of hand because I know myself and if I indulge, I will keep indulging. That's something that's specific to me that's maybe not specific to other people, right? I will overindulge whenever I can. It's just my personality. I don't know why. Maybe we can get into why. Well, food or everything? Everything. Everything. Work. Food. Working out. Mm-hmm. If I, I do something I want and I enjoy it, I want to do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit of an addictive personality right there. We'll see. But I wanted to mitigate that as much as possible. So my way of doing that was tracking everything that went in my mouth. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't get mad at myself if I went over. That was the rule was if I went over the calories I was supposed to have in order to, because I was overweight, I was trying to lose weight. I was in a caloric deficit. If I went over and I was in a surplus, I wouldn't get mad at myself. Mm -hmm. I would just go to the next day and start over. And that's fine. Did you actually not get mad at yourself? I didn't. I had no emotional weight to it. I just said, tomorrow I will get myself back on the wagon and pretend like it never happened. I have seen you in times where you were tracking them, not even just aware of them, but putting the the calorie number in your phone. Mm -hmm. There were days if you went over... It seemed to affect you, like emotionally. Emo- no way. Emotionally, no way. You no. seemed disappointed with yourself. No, it's more of like, oh gosh, man, I really, I really had an indulgent meal. The next one, I gotta take it easy, so I can find that balance, mm-hmm. so that in the long term, I'm not getting myself out of shape. But then, doesn't that take you away from just? The moment of enjoying the meal? No, because the long-term goal is so far away that one indulgent thing is not going to ruin it. Mm-hmm. Is my whole shtick is it has kept me from overindulging on the long term. Not on the short term. Mm-hmm. If I overindulge on the short term, so be it. But in the long term, I'm talking months at a time, I'm keeping myself in shape. And you think adding a number to that helps you... Instead of that's being, the thing you use the MyFitnessPal so much, you start to know how many calories are in everything. Yeah, but what about intuitive eating? That's kind of where I'm at, though. Okay. Like I kind of just mentally keep notes and track of what I'm eating in a day, mm-hmm. and I am conscious of it, and I have to be. Otherwise, I will go crazy, and I will. What do you mean you'll go crazy? I will eat everything that I can. I'll spend $50 at the Cheesecake Factory on myself. Mm -hmm. I do it. I don't care, you know? And so I know that about myself and I have to stop that somehow because that's unhealthy behavior for me. Mm -hmm. This is not a prescription for anybody. This is just what works for me. Uh So what I'm saying is nobody has the right to criticize that. I've found my way of keeping myself happy. I'm Mm -hmm. happiest when I'm in good athletic shape Mm -hmm. and I'm not happy when I'm out of that shape. So like the problem then becomes not your calorie counting, but mm-hmm. the fact that somebody's even commenting on it. Like you don't comment on their food habits. Nope. So why should they comment on yours? Exactly. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> a reasonable place to be. Yeah. Like people just need to stop talking about what other people are doing. In general? I mean, unless you see very, very clear signs. If it's destructive behavior, I think you have a right to step in. Which Mm -hmm. if you really felt like it was destructive for me and you voiced that, I would hear you out. But I I genuinely feel like it's not. At times, been negative though. 
Do you think so? I need to hear more about it. I feel like sometimes you you don't think that you've reacted emotionally, but I feel like sometimes you have seemed very disappointed with yourself or down on yourself or self-critical and talking very negatively. I mean, after- I do that with, with everything, not with just food. Yeah. I, I'm just that way with myself. I'm very hard on myself. Have you always been that way? No. Well, when did that change? It's a good question. Uh, I think, you know, as you grow up, you start to see your your life as more of a linear thing than endless possibilities. It starts to get narrowed down because you start making decisions. And I often question if I made the right ones, I guess. With what? Because if you look at it, your life when you're a little kid, yeah, it's this tree of possibilities. Mm-hmm. It could be anything. And then once you start making decisions that lead you down a specific branch, there's less and less branches to choose from. Mm-hmm. So now I'm very critical because I've made decisions that have pigeonholed me in this career that could be a failure. And so I'm critical in that way of myself. Could I be a failure later on in life? Who knows? Um, so I guess when I started making decisions like, um, what college I was going to, what major I was going into, what friends I wanted to hang out with, what I was doing with my weekends in college, that sort of decision-making led to a lot of self-doubt, not just with food, but with life, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's with everything I do. But you can change at any point you want, or do you not think that? I don't see how I, like, I love what I do. Don't get me wrong. At all. Yeah. Like, I am so happy where I am. But, but it, it, I was doubting that at multiple times throughout the process. Because it's, it's a lot of decisions to be made. And naturally, when you make a decision of what you're going to do with the rest of your life, you question it. Yeah, but you're also so young. People change what they want to do at any age. They completely changed course. Yeah. So you're not actually pigeon, pigeonholing yourself or you're not, you don't have to stay on one branch. You can climb back down the tree and explore I mean, somewhere else. I feel else. like I'm too far gone. I couldn't really do anything You're else. 23. Yeah, but I'm, I'm doing pretty well with what I do. But you like if it, I not stopped that you... doing well and I needed to do something else, I don't know if I would succeed as much. Why? Because say I wanted to go and be an engineer. Okay. And I said, oh, I had a whole crisis. I was like, fuck movies. I want to go home and I want to design sidewalks. Okay. Which is something I would never do. But say I did it. It's a great, respectable uh, profession to get into. If I wanted to do that, I couldn't. Why? Because I'd have to go restructure my entire life. I would have to go back to school. I would have to do this whole degree. I'd have to find a way to pay for that. I'd have to find a way to live somewhere else probably. I just, it would take too many steps. You could do it. You just wouldn't want to. But if it was something, if you truly, I don't foresee it happening, but for the sake of the hypothesis, or what is that? For the sake of the, what word am I trying to think of? Theory, the the what? I wish I knew. Circumstance, Uh, the sake of whatever. uh If 
movies didn't work out for whatever reason. If you were to pursue a different career, it would be something that you're passionate about. So I feel like just the same as how you were slash are with movies, as in any obstacle that's been in the way, you're, you you solve it. You get through it because this is yeah. what you love. So if it changed to something else, I feel like you would approach that the exact same way, even if it meant going back to school. Yes, that's true. I would say okay, the only I, thing is I would then be behind for people my age. So? <laughs> I don't want to be behind. I always want to be one step ahead, baby. I like being I like being at the top of the game, I guess. I, I don't want to be, you know, I, I feel like I've made decisions that have put me in this trajectory. Mm-hmm. And I made those decisions early enough to where... I, I try and be the youngest person in the room sometimes. But why? As much as I can. Why? Because, I don't know, I, it's just where I want to be. I want to be with people who I can learn with yeah, and learn from. I, I, I like feeling more important than I am, I guess. I don't know. And if I were to go backwards, I would be... And that comes with age, though, because you're the youngest, it makes you feel more important because all your coworkers, or I mean, if you don't want to talk about work, but because the people you surround yourself with are older. It's not, it's not a, I feel more important thing. It's more like, I feel like I'm ahead. Uh huh. You know, I want to be always ahead of the game. Why? Who doesn't? Who doesn't want to be ahead of the game? Some people don't. Okay. I'm not one of those people. <laughs> so that's why I'm asking you. I never you. will be. And if I have to take a step back, I won't do it. I'm only going to take steps forward. And if I have to take a step back, I'm going to wear it on my sleeve. But if it's up to me, Lightning McQueen, keep moving forward. That's not Lightning McQueen. <laughs> that's Meet the Robinsons. Never seen it. Keep moving. What? I, you know. You know Disney I have. Disney animation, dude. No, I've seen. It's Disney, Disney animation. It's I've like seen It's like a Pixar movie. very few films. I feel like within... The span of the time we've been dating, I've watched more movies. Good. Within this past good, like, somewhat year or whatever, Culture. than I have like my entire life. <laughs> and and how is that for you? Is I it s- such a chore? It's not a chore. I just <laughs> I I feel like it hasn't. I there's still very few movies that I truly enjoy. Like what? <sighs> That we've watched recently mm-hmm. or in overall? Overall. Overall, I like Anything. Eternal Sunshine, mm-hmm. Spotless Mind. I like Orlando. Um, I'm trying to think of one we've watched together. And Okay. Those two are great. So when you watch those movies. Yeah. Well, how did you feel? With Eternal Sunshine, mm-hmm. I felt very, very much like immersed into the movie it's an immersive I, experience but not all of them are some okay. i like something about that made me actually i don't know if it's because i was projecting mm-hmm. or it's because i related to characters more like i'm a very emotionally driven person and that is mm-hmm. a very emotionally driven film it's Absolutely. all about regret memories. erasing memories and yep. then regretting erasing those memories and like love and then loss of love and the nuances of all of that. And so mm-hmm. I think I liked that it just really played into emotion and it made me care about the characters. 
but I don't feel that with a lot of movies. I feel like I'm just watching other people do things that I don't care about. If that does that make sense? Like I don't like mm-hmm. action movies because sometimes there's like a underlying like something about like I'm doing this for my family or like for my lover at home. Like they yeah. try to add some kind of emotional level to like maybe up the stakes, but the the point of the film is just to show like cool explosions and tricks and fights and whatever, which I get it's if that's what you want to watch. But I just, those movies, I have a really hard time focusing because I, I'm not interested in that. Why? I just said, because I can't relate to it emotionally at all. Why aren't you interested in the explosions and the, and the action? I'm, I'm curious. Mm, I don't know. There's just, I don't care. It's nothing in it for you. I don't care about like violence or superheroes. Like Mm -hmm. superheroes aren't real. I don't like fantasy. Superheroes aren't real. I don't like fantasy, I think. I like, I don't like fantasy books or movies. Mm -hmm. I like things that are very, even if it's a fictional book, I like my favorite fictional books are the ones that are closest to the real world. So Orlando. Yeah. You liked Orlando. Why? Um, it surprised me that one because it starts, I don't even know what year it starts, like 1800s, something like that. Yeah. Um, it starts really old (laughs) and I was like, oh, this is going to be boring century film, but then it progresses through the years and it's this genderless person, Orlando doesn't age and, and then it becomes emotional because it's Orlando went through life as a man and then wakes up one day as a woman and has to face what it's like women are exposed to. And there's that part of it. There's like the, a little bit of a love story there. It's this passion. Orlando wants to be a writer and then he wants to be a poet. And then his favorite poet is like, you can't write, like just worry about your dogs. Like and make, he makes fun of Orlando. It's like, there becomes a lot more emotion. Oh, uh, and like Sasha, the Russian woman. I think she was Russian, right? Do you know who I'm talking about in the beginning of the film? It's like his first love. They like ice skate around and then she's like, why are you sad? And then he's talking about like, he's happy right now, but he knows the next day he's about to be so sad because she's leaving. And he was talking about that, how the difference between happiness and sadness is like this very thin line okay so there's a lot of emotion in so it. there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of reality is why what you look for in ah. a film in a picture you look for a, a lot something you can project onto i think it's mostly the emotion because with orlando he doesn't age it's that's not reality it's this person who lives through decades when i say this, reality i mean more emotional reality a more uh it, it's rooted in something that you've felt yeah i okay. think i like the same thing with books if, if a movie or book can put into words an emotion I felt or put it like a story to it, I like that because it's like, oh, it's bringing out these emotions in me that I felt before and now I can see it. I can read it. I can watch it. Mm-hmm. Do you like explosion movies? I do. Why? Uh, I think how you look at movies is... It's very different. Very different, but it's, it's, it's fascinating because you look for so much. And that means you'll get a lot from movies like that, which is great. And I love that for you. 
Um, <laughs> well, I love that for you. <laughs> I do. Um, I would say that you look at a movie the way you, you look for almost a novel in a movie. You want description. Yeah. You want story. You want passion. You want people. You like movies with people. I think where we probably differ is I also look for that and I enjoy those movies and I see the art in them and I mm -hmm. respect them and I love it. Uh, I also feel that way about Marvel movies. I do. Um, not my favorites, but I can see the art that went into it. Mm -hmm. I can see the planning and the story and the people. Um, I wouldn't say they're the best movies ever made. I, not even close. What do you mean you can see the planning? You're thinking about the production of it is what makes you respect mm, it? Or no, what do you mean I the planning? Just, I see these movies for what they are. And yeah. it's entertainment. Uh -huh. It's nothing more. Nothing yeah. less. Yes. It, they're very entertaining. Yeah. And I think you take a very critical view of movies and you like to look at them and, and analyze them, which is great. I'm happy you do that. But... I think on a, on a macro level, nobody does that. Everybody watches a movie and just has their own initial visceral reaction to it. And they're either entertained or they're not. And they leave the theater saying that was good or that was bad. It's pretty binary. Not everybody's a film critic. And I need to get it out of my head that not everybody's a film critic because I think that people are overanalyzing my content. No, I feel like most people want to enjoy movies. They don't go into it I'm being saying. critical. On a macro level, though. On a macro level, I think, yeah. You think but people are going in thinking about no, I think all on, the things you just said about no, Orlando? No, 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 no. I think on a macro level, people want to watch a movie and they go into it optimistically and ready to sit down and be transported to this other world and enjoy it. I think you think people criticize more than they do because you surround yourself but, with yeah. people in the film industry Absolutely. and me. That's what I'm saying is <laughs> I need to get that out of my head. Yeah. Uh, I, when I make movies, again, I am self-critical initially Yeah. because I'm like, first, is this going to entertain people? Because if it doesn't, then it's not going to happen. There's not going to be any money there and it's not going to get made if nobody's going to enjoy watching it. Yeah. Um, which is more of a production way to view things. But what do you think for you when you watch a movie, what, what would make you leave a movie theater saying that was bad? Oof, it's tough. Yeah, because I feel like that's most people, I don't think, I mean, have really negative reactions. People put a year of their life into this stuff, you know? It's like, but for you, what do you think makes a bad film? What I'm are trying you to think trying of, a, of an objectively bad film? Or just what are you it. when you're making something or thinking of ideas for fil films you want to make in the future? Yeah. What are things you are actively avoiding doing that you feel like are just death notes for movies? Dry conversation, um, cliches. I think mm -hmm. are and like the very film school screenwriting 101 structure of like the romantic comedy when Harry meets Sally, which Harry, when Harry met Sally is, is amazing. It was never seen it. the first of its kind in, in that way. Uh -huh. But now there's so much copying being done mm -hmm. and not the copying in like great artists steal kind of way. The copying in like, Let's make as much money as we can and just use this formula. Being lazy. <laughs> control C, control V, mm -hmm. put it out to 
3,000 screens and make, make as much money as we can. I think that happens far too much. Um, I, I like to see the art in movies. And what I mean by that is on every movie, there's an art department. Mm -hmm. There's production design. There's costume. There's sound editing. You know, there's everything. There's all these little things that you don't think of when you're just experiencing. Yeah. If all those can go away and you don't think about each and every one of them, which is so rare for me now because I'm analyzing everything, mm -hmm. if it all just blends away and I'm so into the story, that's a good film. Okay. And that's a, that's a, that's perfect to me. It gets my five stars on Letterboxd, you know, yeah. if I am taken out of my an, an analytical view of things and I am not thinking about shot list and angles and lighting <laughs> and, and, um, and sound and I'm just immersed in dialogue or I'm immersed in situation. That's when movie magic takes hold. And you know what does that really well? Movies that entertain. Marvel movies do that just as well as Schindler's List mm -hmm. to me. Uh, and I say Marvel movies because that kind of takes the really popcorn, blockbuster, yeah, moneymaker films. Yeah, they make a lot of money. But I think they're great. Yeah. I do. Yeah, they have a huge following yes. for a reason. Yes. Um, and, and I'm trying to get to the bottom of what I think that reason is, but I think the reason is they're just fun. I feel like a lot of people like it because of it's fun yeah. escapism. Like you can go watch a movie yeah. and if you're just completely in this world where there's battles and explosions and just mm -hmm. constant movement and go and what's going to happen and yeah. you're just so caught up in it. You don't have to worry about what you're doing after what you're doing tomorrow, the laundry dishes. You can just be in this world with these really cool people who have superpowers. Like, yeah. <laughs> I think I, I did see a video essay about Marvel movies and how they don't have cell phones in them. And that th there's like three, like 21 movies. Mm -hmm. And the three that are in the 21 movies are all flip phones. That's another, like you said, escapism. Yeah. I don't want to think about being on my phone when I'm watching a movie because yeah. then I'm going to what? Get on my phone. I think that was a good decision they made. Burp. Oh my God. <laughs> it's something in the world. Uh, yeah, movies. Movies are everything to me. What kind of movies do you want to make? How, is, how are you going to make it immersive for people who are critical? I know we've already established that most people just want to enjoy. But for right. the people who are critical, what do you think? How are you going to do it? I'm really glad you asked that because I know I've talked about self-criticism a lot. But when it comes to other people being critical, fuck them. I don't care. I really don't. Well, how are you going to do that for yourself? What do the, you want? The movie has to make money, right? So it's got to be entertaining. Uh -huh. It's got to have some sort of market. It's got to have a value. Otherwise, there's no money there and it's not going to get made. That's fair. I understand that. But oh, how do you, step one, how do you make something entertaining? Uh, you because can go you about said, that in multiple ways. You said ways. you don't give a fuck what other people think, but you do because you want it to be entertaining. Uh, I think there's a difference between giving a fuck what uh -huh. people think and actually reading the critics reviews and letting that be personal to you because every movie that you either write direct uh -huh. to anything with is personal in a way yes and when someone doesn't like that or thinks it's stupid you take that personally yes so i probably won't read reviews mm -hmm. and i'll just go with whatever studio and see what they say about what's next i want once it's released it's released it's out there people can do with it what they want yeah it's out there it's done 
It's out of my brain. I'll do the press. It'll be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how I'm going to do press. I get so nervous. You do. You were very nervous to record this. I don't think I've ever seen you this. Maybe once. Yeah. Once before ever. It was like before you started a new job, you were pretty nervous. But yeah. this is probably the most nervous I've seen you is when we were about to sit down. And, I mean, we already said like we recorded seven minutes of yeah. an episode. And yeah, 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 we did. We were just staring at each other. <laughs> it was cute. It was a good moment. Um, <laughs> Why? Why does press make you so nervous or even that like? You know me. Why? What made you so nervous? I don't know. I really don't. I, I I told a joke in front of a couple friends last night, and I was nervous that I was going to mess up the punchline. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just when people are listening to you talk. Yeah. I don't want to mess up, but mm-hmm. when you get comfortable and you are in it, then it bleeds away, and there's no microphone here, and we're just hanging out. Yeah. And it took up. me seven minutes to get to the, that point. Yeah. It took you probably a few episodes to get to the point where you don't think about that kind of stuff. Like, are you looking at the monitor constantly? No, I only look at it to move my mouse to make sure the so, screen doesn't so turn off. My question for you is why don't you want to listen to your episodes? Because I was like, no, I let's listen, go listen to this episode. I listen and you're to like, I don't want to ep- hear my voice. No, I listen to every single episode mm. after when mm-hmm. it gets published on Mondays. Mm-hmm. What I don't want to do is listen to an episode around somebody else. I want to be alone and listen to my own Why? episodes. Because when I listen to it alone, I listen to shit I say that I'm like, Erica, shut the fuck up. Or you even noted in the car, I say the word like too much mm-hmm. and it's annoying and I hear myself. I didn't, for the audience, I didn't put it that way. I no, said, no, no. I have a note if you want you to hear You were nice it. about it. You Thank were you. sweet. Thank it was you. very constructive criticism. I'm being rude to myself. You weren't rude to me. Thank you. No, you you sweetheart. I am. I am. <laughs> uh, but no, I listen to myself and I catch these things I do with communication and it's annoying. So I don't want to sit here or anywhere with somebody else in the room to listen to my podcast. I want to do it alone so I can identify these things I do and then fix it or improve it for the next episodes. I think there's something in the air though when you listen to your product with someone else. For example... I couldn't release a film without being in the room when it's screened in front of an audience first. Because then I know what feeling is in the air. You I, could or couldn't be. I couldn't release it until that happened. Oh, okay. Because I got to know how it makes people feel. I got to see their faces. I got to see the reactions because we're, we're, we're toying at strings here. We're trying to get people to think about things. You're trying to but this is different. bring up new perspectives. I'm trying to entertain and also make people think, you know, it's, it's, I want to see it happen. I need that focus group almost before I can go wide. Not that I'll ever go wide. I'm going to release it to like four people. But yeah, one day maybe, you know what I mean? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know what you mean for a movie, but I think for a podcast, if you're, I want to know why you don't like the reason you said was I don't want to hear the sound of my voice. No, that's not it. I don't really care about the sound of my voice. So I've gotten used it? to it now. It's truly because when I listen back to it, I'm not listening for an ego stroke. I'm listening because I'm criticizing every single word I say, mm. and I'm like Erica, like probably I don't know, maybe ten minutes ago. 
I became very self-aware and I got overheated because I realized I was talking way more than you when I was talking about Eternal Sunshine or, and or, Orlando. And I was like, Erica, shut up, figure out how to turn it back to Andrew because you're going to listen back to probably right now. I'm talking way too much. Oh my God. <laughs> like, Relax. It's okay. I, I asked you a question. I'm you're answering relaxed it. a day in my life. <laughs> God, I asked you a question and you're answering it. It's fine. It's a podcast. Yeah. I don't know. I think, but with films, you edit it so much. There's, there's a lot. So much. It's so different. But then a podcast is, it's, well, mine at least, is supposed to just be very organic conversation. And so if somebody doesn't want to listen to it, if I have a focus group, there's obviously going to be. No, that's not sustainable week to week. That's going to just be It's so going to change so much. The only constant thing is myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like from talking to people who I know who have listened to different episodes, like after Mackenzie and I recorded. She had notes for me. After Marco and I recorded, he had notes. You, from listening, have had notes for me. My mom calls me after every episode and has, like, notes and thoughts. And so, and I listen to myself. So I'm still getting the feedback, but it's... Notes as in this needs to change? Notes as in any kind of comment I'm very aware of, whether it's a compliment. So just their take on it. Yeah, or yeah. like do this for the next one. Like I've talked to people and they're like, okay, that went well. I liked this or I didn't like this or. Mm. Like what kind of notes have you gotten? Um, to make it before even recording, I've gotten a note to make sure the guest is very aware that I will guide the conversation because this person thinks that some people might be very anxious and nervous going into it because they don't know what to talk about. But the point is like, well, I don't speaking as someone who was nervous to do this, you've done a great job of putting me at ease and just making and, this a regular and everybody conversation. Relax. Everybody, not everybody. Um, a lot of people, when they sit across from me, I watch and their eyes are shifting around. They're adjusting their shirt collar. They're, you're fiddling with the pen. Like mm-hmm. before we even started, I removed the pen that was loud and I gave you a pen that was quiet <laughs> because every single person I talk to yeah. reaches for something to fiddle with. And I've been trying to be better about making sure it's not anything loud. Like mm-hmm. everybody gets really nervous. But then once you get past the point like that there's a microphone here and thinking about who's going to be listening then people get relaxed and it's here's a pitch. Okay. <laughs> a pitch? A pitch. What if you sat and talked at the microphone for five minutes and then started recording? For everybody? Yeah, and you made it almost a bit with your guest, and you're like starting the podcast, but you're not recording. And then as soon as those nerves go away and you're really getting into it, mm-hmm. you go, okay, you ready to record? I don't know. It could be fun. Yeah. I think that worked with you. I have considered because I've done a lot of research about other podcasts Mm. and paying very, very, very close attention to the very first words out of the host's mouth. If it's like an interview or conversation type of podcast and sometimes they just jump right to the middle of a conversation and it's up to the listener to get the context and catch up but i i hate small talk but i have to do it at the beginning of every podcast you don't get the best you don't get down to the nitty-gritty in the first five minutes but i think that's part of what i want is to show that i'm not just sitting down and people are just 
pouring their hearts out. Like I have, like, I want to document the entire, yours is the only one I've sat down, recorded, deleted and started over. Like I've just gone first take with everybody else. Right. And I think I want to keep doing that because I want to capture like the awkward parts of conversation and how it can mm. get from that to something really deep with even a stranger or with somebody I've known my whole life. Like mm-hmm. it's the art of conversation. And I think if I skipped right to where it gets interesting, you lose the process of yeah. it. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I, I mean, it makes sense that you, somebody wouldn't want to listen to small talk though. Like I get that. But then just like don't listen to my podcast because that's probably how it's going to start. Mm-hmm. I mean, you and I were hanging out all day before we got on. Mm-hmm. And so there's natural lulls if you hang out all day. And when you change the format of the conversation, mm-hmm. it makes people talk differently. But I also haven't had that with any other other than True. Mimi. Um, True. But she's also my grandma. So that's a very different relationship. Right. I burped now. And she's awesome. (laughs) In that way, she'll just talk and then keep going. Uh Uh-huh. Love it. What's new in your life? No, hold on. I I asked you a question and we got completely off track. Oh, what was the question? How well it started with how are you gonna entertain people, but what kind of movies Mm. do you want to make? Oh, yes. We've talked about what kind I like, what you like, what you think about them, but what do you want to make? Good job going back to that. I totally forgot you asked. Because I've we've talked about it. Yeah. But I want it to be, I want to know the details of it. So uh, it's a tough question to answer. But or do you I think, know? I think I know. Okay. I don't know what it'll actually end up being, mm-hmm. but I have a direction. Okay, which is what? I have a pantheon of heroes. Mm-hmm. I have people that I've looked up to consistently throughout movies and throughout my career that I want to make movies like all of them and also none of them. Okay. I, great artists steal. Going back to great artists steal. I want certain elements of every director that I've looked up to. Um, you know, look at someone like Paul Thomas Anderson. He is great at making movies about San Fernando Valley with fun music, fun times, very LA. Is that Boogie Nights? That's Boogie Nights. Okay. <laughs> but but he also did something like There Will Be Blood. Uh-huh. It's a West Texas, it's really California in the mm-hmm. movie, but it's shot in, in Marfa, Texas. Uh, turn of the century oil business drama mm-hmm. that competed with No Country for Old Men in 2007. Mm-hmm. He made that. He made Boogie Nights. He made Phantom Thread, which is about a, a 1950s dress designer. Like he makes all kinds of movies, but they all have his language. And I think he he takes from a lot of Martin Scorsese's moves, moves being technical stuff, but also being style. Mm-hmm. The way the camera moves is a style. It's a language. Um, I, I draw a lot from a lot of people in that way. I'd say him, and because of him, Martin Scorsese, I like uh, Robert Downey Sr. 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 <laughs> Robert Downey Sr., who, if you couldn't have guessed, is Robert Downey Jr.'s <gasps> dad. No. Yeah, he's a director <laughs> way back when. He just passed. Not like today, but like a couple years ago. Uh, who else? Who else? Uh, I look up to a lot of people and I've noticed my heroes aren't all filmmakers. 
but they all have a way of looking at life that is a, a dark optimism, I guess. What is that? What is dark optimism? Cynical, but funny about it, you know? Um, Do you think that's how you... Is that you? <laughs> Do you identify? I think so. You know me really well. I don't see you as cynical, though. You don't? No. Oh, what a miracle. Mm-mm. That's great. But you see yourself that way. I, when I was finding myself, I looked at comedians and rock stars and filmmakers. Mm-hmm. Those were the people I thought were cool. Someone like Anthony Bourdain, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. A very, very flawed individual who brought himself back and then met a, a horrible end, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, I looked at people like that and I thought I see a lot of myself in, in someone like, like Mark Marin, who's, who is a podcaster. He's probably one of the best in the world. I say best, most popular, depending on your opinion of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a very neurotic, uh, former drug addict who has a lot of demons and issues and he overcame them and now made a positive out of it. And now he's, he's really happy, I think. And that your your word for that is dark optimism. Is is that what you said? Dark optimism or dark what? Started... Dark optimism. I like that. Oh wait, what was it though? What <laughs> dark optimism? No, what was that's the what word? I said. I oh, thought. it is. Yeah. Oh, then <laughs> why did you act like it was something new? No, no, no dark optimism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting there. We're getting there. So you identify with that because you think you came from a dark place and now you're optimistic. Is that what you mean? No. Or then what? I'd say that the. Darkness is inevitable. Wow, that's pretentious. Um, it is, though. Everybody okay. has these pitfalls in life, and you never know what's going to happen. It's just the way you deal with them, and I choose to laugh in the face of absurdity. Okay. So it's it's acknowledging the darkness. I love how this is we got here from what kind of movies I'm going to make, because perhaps because this, this is what influ- kind of movies yeah, I'm going to make. Yeah, because it could influence oh, yeah. the oh, themes totally right. of future movies, you know? Um, so it's like acknowledging darkness and suffering, but still choosing to be optimistic. Sure. Look at. Sure. You don't like the word. Sure. I don't like the word. Sure. We'll get into that. But, <laughs> but I mean, sure. Because look at someone like the Safety brothers. Do, do you remember who the Safety brothers yeah, are? Yeah, it's on your hat right now. Uh, the, the, for the listeners, I'm wearing an Alara hat, which is their company. Mm-hmm. The words, the Safety brothers are not written on my hat. <laughs> um, the, you know, they have very, very dark and stressful movies, but uh-huh. they're also hilarious. In the movies? Uncut Gems. You think Uncut Gems is hilarious? It's horrifying and stressful and an anxious nightmare, but it's also really funny. Did you laugh? Hilarious. Yeah, I laughed. Okay. I want to make movies about serious topics that are funny. I want there to be a lot of comedy in the movies and I want them to get serious. I thought initially I wanted to make sci-fi action flicks. Um, I want there to be some of that, but at least when I'm starting out, it's really corny when action is done poorly Mm -hmm. or when sci-fi is done poorly. Mm -hmm. It's very B-movie looking. Yeah. If you don't have money, and that's sad, but uh, I'll get there and I'll write some sort of space movie and see what happens. Anastasia would hate it. I was it. just thinking, yeah. I was like, space movie. If Anastasia's listening, she's screaming right now. That's fine. That's fine. I got something <laughs> queued up for her to read. 
I got oh, an idea. Oh, it's a unique space movie. I got yeah, I got an idea. Oh, really? I do. Uh, I got I got I have a lot of ideas. Uh, I'm working on executing them, but I work sometimes 90 hours a week, so that's yeah. tough. But <laughs> but those are the kind of movies I want to make. I want to make funny movies that get real. Do you want it? To, do you want the tone to be dark optimism, as in starts dark, gets funny, like laughs at the darkness, or do you want it to start funny and get deep, or do you want it thematically to be- dark? Okay. Looking at it through a lens of absurdity and mm-hmm. laughter. Okay. Making fun of the darkness almost. So both paralleled through the whole thing. Absolutely. Okay. I like what Marco was talking about though. I, I when just he was about talking him. about yeah. uh, um, what was it? Sex and what is it? Punishment. Mm-hmm. When he was talking about that, that intrigued me. That that mm-hmm. is the kind of movie that I would be into. Yeah, making. how he was talking about like he's taking these really dark themes, but he had this comical part that it was like Jesus who then took her virginity. Hilarious. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, so something along those lines. Like, and you know, I'm going to reach out to him. He's he was wonderful. Yeah, I'd love to work with him. Uh, I like the way he looks at movies as well. Mm-hmm. I I think. The movies that shaped me all have those moments. Okay. Um, and then, you know, I look at some movies as just a magnificent work of technical art. Yeah. Like a 2001 A Space Odyssey, which you hated. Uh, I did not hate. Yeah, you, you, you really didn't enjoy yourself. I look at that more as like what it, what it did for movies rather than what it did for me. Like. It influenced so much yeah. that it's hard to deny how great it is. But do you think there's an issue with putting things on a pedestal, if, like even with books or movies? If you categorize something as a classic, then when you... Do I think it's harmful? Harmful? I don't know if that's the right word. But when you put something on a pedestal, mm. even if it influenced great things, I think a part of being great is should withstand the test of time. I don't think everything does that some people praise. Like, do you think you should look at it independently with fresh eyes and judge it in your modern mindset? Or do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And it holds up. Okay. 2001? Well, not just that one. I'm talking about classic works in general. Okay. Um, there's a lot of movies that didn't age well okay. in that way, in that they're not okay now, politically yeah, and it was like socially. Politically. Um, but they were okay then. And so is it okay to look at them in the same lens? Of course not. You know, we're looking at them in 2021, and it's it's a very different world we live in. And to criticize them on that is is fair, but it was also a very different time. So I don't know. That's for that for those reasons i have no idea <laughs> but from a technical standpoint 2001 i'm look, i'm looking at 2001 okay. because i am talking about the movies that shaped me yes, right yes, yes. and and when i saw that it amazed me as a little kid okay uh, my mom bought a blu-ray that was you know in the clearance box at walmart for a couple dollars and it changed my life it was everything cuz i was like this is amazing and it's so old and it's still beautiful. It's a work of music. It's a work of ballet, really. Is Why ballet? What do you mean? <laughs> you remember the opening number of that movie? 
with, with there well the first there's the monkeys? The, the, the monkeys and then there's the big space dance number yeah and there was no dialogue in the first 40 minutes of the movie and, and it changed me because I was like this is so beautiful and this is just this is opera this is ballet okay on the screen mm-hmm. this is spaceships this is monkeys this is a big black box in the middle of the desert and I'm so intrigued by it and I was a little kid mm-hmm. uh, let's look at another movie let's look at Boogie Nights Boogie Nights is fun it's sexy it's it's about power it's about uh, fame it's about the downfall and the and, and drugs it's about a lot of dark things but it's also hilarious and it was made the year I was born I look at that movie and I think that's more something I would want to do because it's about people and I want to learn more about people through movies as well. Mm-hmm. In the same way that when you write a book, you're learning about yourself and about other people. Mm-hmm. I want to learn about people from working with actors. What have you learned about people with working within the film slash entertainment industry oh, thus far? Man. People are hungry. I don't know if it's a pandemic, but people well, are ready I'm, you've to... You've been in it longer than a pandemic, though. What are things that were pre and during slash post-pandemic? Everybody, it seems, moved out here for the same reason. To make movies? Yeah, feature films. And they got pulled in every direction. You know, I'm going to do... Now I'm going to do a game show. Now I'm going to do... A reality show. Now I'm going to do YouTube. Now I'm going to do this. Now I'm going to do that. Uh-huh. I guess I'm not going to make it to features. Okay. And I still haven't made it to features. Mm-hmm. But I know that that compromise won't happen. I'm going to go to features. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not willing to budge in that way. Mm-hmm. And I won't. So my goal in the next year is to be attached to a major studio picture so I can learn how they do it at that level. Mm-hmm. Probably learn on an indie level as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, go from there. Right now I work on a, a studio TV show. It's a scripted show, which is new for me. But I really like the transition because I before that I was in unscripted. And it was fun, but not fulfilling for me. It was the same thing every day. It was a talk show. It was the only thing that changed was the guest. Got out of that. Went to a game show. The only thing that changed was the guest and the game. Not fulfilling for me. Uh, This show is a different location every day. A different angle, a different lighting setup every shot. Different words being said every shot. Mm -hmm. Every episode is a new adventure. And it's inspiring and it's exciting and I love it. And I'm excited to be where I'm at. And it's only a stepping stone in the leapfrog game of life for me. Uh-huh. And I'm just letting it rip out here, working so much. And I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. I have a three-day weekend, and I'm going to use every minute of it to relax. Mm-hmm. But then come Tuesday, we're back, and I'm happy to be where I'm at. So what have you learned about people? That's what I'm saying is, is everybody moved out for here for a different reason. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them compromised. Okay. I, I mean, okay, okay. 
let me let me get my story straight here. <laughs> Everybody moved out here to do movies, mm-hmm. it seems. And a lot of people let the first couple years not going their way change their mind. Okay. And there is a finite number of available positions on a feature film, so I get it. But they've changed their trajectory. They want to do something else now. Uh-huh. The original reason they came out here has thus been evaporating. There's no more movies in their future. Mm-hmm. Outside of people of LA, though, do you feel like working oh. in? Well, do you feel like working within TV and just entertainment in general? Mm-hmm. Do you think that has exposed anything about the human condition to Ooh, you? Oh, that's deep. I'm going to go with yes, but I couldn't tell you why. I have no idea. Well, well I, how do you, do you look at people differently? Yeah, but I think that that comes from mostly growing up. Okay. But people, I mean, somebody who grows up doing a completely different job than you looks at the human condition mm-hmm. a completely different way. Mm. What do you think working within film has done it's, to your perspective of people? Yeah, yeah. It's incredibly competitive. And that's not to say other jobs aren't competitive, but it's competitive in a very personal way. If someone likes you, you're in their Rolodex and they'll help you out. <laughs> if that doesn't get cut, I'm going to be pissed. I'm leaving all burps in, oh, mine and yours. All right, then I'm just going to. It's all edited, baby. <laughs> yeah, so it's incredibly competitive. I would say that. Everybody knows that. There's a lot of. Do you think people are competitive, are competitive in general, though? At a macro level, get out of LA. At a macro level. Hmm. Do you think? Do you think because of working in film and knowing what people write about characters and watching how people create things, do you think? It's made you see people as more vengeful. Do you think it's made you see the beauty in people more? Do you think it's made you more empathetic, less empathetic? Like, uh, yeah. No, that's a, that's a good question. Does this make sense? I might be wording this very poorly. No, 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 no. You're not. You're doing great. More empathetic. It's made you more empathetic? Full stop. I think... Everyone is eating a shit sandwich out here. And we're all just trying to take our bite. Everybody's trying to do the best for themselves. And everybody has a passionate dream. And if you don't protect it, you're dead in the water. And it's if you're going to do something as stupid as move out here to get into movies, you that, you know, pursuit of happiness, you better protect that dream. And if you lose sight of that, there's probably a lot of mm-hmm. self-hatred involved. I don't know. Yeah. I, that's why I can't let go of it. And I think the people that do carry a lot of cynicism and and they become they become these critics, right? Yeah. They but- they t- tear apart what other people have created because perhaps they themselves weren't able to due to whatever circumstances, but I, I, I'm critical of critics. You know that. I don't mm-hmm. like them. <laughs> we don't. Well, what, what is it that drives you so much then? Like, is it the stories you want to tell? Is it be, you, you're trying to please this childhood promise you made to yourself? Is oh, it yeah. 
that's, success? That's it. Is it a leader? Like, what is it? That's, yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's like my main thing is I made these promises to myself as a little kid and I'm not going to break that. Um, okay. I, there's definitely that. And then there's the like, why do I get up and go to work when I don't in the morning? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that is like, I got to pay rent, which is a big motivator for a lot of people. You got to survive. <laughs> it's valid and that's fine. But why do I even on the tough days, enjoy it is because uh, I've, I have been doing a better job of taking a step back from where I'm at at 23 and saying, this is just a stepping stone mm-hmm. on the river of life, man. <laughs> this is just where I'm at at this point. And not being so caught up in when will I feel done, but more of, I'm just so happy and lucky to be where I'm at (laughs) because I used to be like, whenever it's done, then I can rest. Yeah. But I've got good friends. I've got an apartment. I've got food. I didn't lose anybody to COVID. I got a great girlfriend. I got, I live in one of the best cities on the planet earth, regardless of what anybody fucking says. Mm -hmm. I get to work on, TV that a lot of people are big fans of it's I feel very lucky and to not realize that would be doing myself a disservice yeah to only focus on the end game would be silly but I was there at one point I was like when I win an Oscar I'll be done when was this how long ago probably sophomore year college yesterday when I started (laughs) yeah Uh, on the way here no but I I I need to get out of my head and just be present. And I've done a better job of that recently. With work or in general? Everything. Everything. I've I've made a more conscious effort. And maybe it was a pandemic that made me realize it's like where you're at right now is where you're fucking supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Because you have very little control of factors outside of yourself like that. When COVID hit, it was just me in my room figuring out how I was going to handle this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody's first few months of COVID were like, what am I going to do after this is done? Is it going to be the same? Now we've learned that, no, it's definitely not going to be the same. <laughs> How are we going to win? How are we going to get ahead? What are we going to do? What's next? Yeah. Um, man, it's been tough for a lot of people to talk about COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's looking like it's quote unquote over soon, um, yeah. which is we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Don't know what that what that'll look like, but it's definitely not going to be the same. And now that we know that, what's changed? What are we going to do? Am I just like going off? I don't know where that's we started. Point, that's the point of a podcast. I don't know so where we just... started. <laughs> um, I don't know either. We were talking about movies, but and we're I ended here up now. COVID, post COVID lifestyle. We can get back to that though, because I mm. want to know mm. with the films that you're going to make. Yes. And relating back as well to the dark optimism what do you think are common themes or what do you think from your personal life you don't have to what do you think you're going to put in these what themes do you think are going to arise in almost anything you make or or do you want to be very conscious and make every single film different or do you think there'll be consistent themes think that the the setting and the characters will be very different, but the yes. themes will probably be 
somewhat there and consistent throughout. Do you know what they are yet? Or do you think you're only going to know, know a couple one of them are? Would you, would you like to know them? Well, yeah, but I'm saying, <laughs> are these things based on things you've already made or the things you're going to make or both? You were just noticing. I have had some ideas fumbling around. Yeah. And they're all along what? What are the themes? Um, there's a couple about, um, having an abnormal family, mm -hmm. um, which I have mm -hmm. and how that's a good thing. That'd be more of a TV show. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Um, the serendipitous nature of death. <laughs> serendipitous? Yeah. It just falls into place. But isn't serendipitous? Serendipitous isn't... Isn't serendipity mean a, like a happy, unexpected surprise? Can I we thought, look that up? Because I thought I thought it was more of just randomized things happening. I thought happening. it was a positive thing. Man, what if I, I just used that word incorrectly? That would suck. Serendipity. Serendipity. Google says, yeah. the occurrence and development of events by chance in a happy or beneficial way. So yeah, it's, there's a happy connotation. Happy or beneficial way. Okay, so what would be serendipity with, without the happy, just kind of objective, like it just happens. Say the full sentence again. What is the theme? Something about death. Serendipity of death. death. <laughs> oh, no, you know what? I am going to say serendipity. You and here's why. <laughs> here's this dark, here's this dark optimism. Here it is. Here's the dark optimism. I'm, I'm going to give it death. to you. I'm going to give it to you. Uh, you can't fight it. So why? Try. But Be happy about the death because of the life. And the death happened due to circumstances you cannot take into account, mm -hmm. uh, at least in my movies. And because of that, why be sad? There was no fighting it. Mm -hmm. There was no escaping. It's going to happen to us all. So when death happens, be happy that life happened is how I feel about it. You know, you walk outside, you get a sunburn. 60 years later, you get skin cancer and you fall over. You're dead. It's absurd. It's... Why is that absurd? I don't think that... A nuclear explosion happened in a vapid void of a dark nothingness. No, you're talking about sunburn, skin cancer. Billions of miles... No, no, these are related. Millions oh. of miles away. Uh -huh. That radiation then made it its way all the way across the fucking solar system to your skin. And your skin... Then took that radiation, found oh, it on melanoma in 60 years, mm -hmm. and then it metastasized, went in your blood, and now you're dead. I see. Yeah, okay. Now it's There's absurd. There's no way you can change <laughs> that. It is absurd, absolutely. And 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 death is absurd in that way. Um, And that's how I not, choose to look at it. You're not least. scared of it? No way. Why? Are you scared of dying? The process of dying? I believe in DMT. <laughs> what? <laughs> you know, what is that? That's the chemical that gets released when you die. And yeah, but maybe what? that's what the afterlife is. Is a... Just a never-ending DMT trip? What's the calculus term? Where it approaches, approaches the line and never touches it. Asymptotic. Okay. I was like, do not ask An me. asymptotic life. Meaning you live multiple lives continuously. And never reach a full end. Because <laughs> at the end of this life, right, 
you release DMT. Your brain releases DMT. And DMT is something you can inhale and consume as a narcotic recreationally. But it's also a natural chemical that comes up in the brain. And I don't mean to like do my best Joe Rogan impression when we're talking about this. Because Joe Rogan has never talked about what I'm talking about right now. Okay. This is my theory. This is completely original. And I have to almost draw it, but it's an auditory medium, so I'm gonna do my best not to. Because then I'm not describing it well. No, 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 no. So you have a line that is time. Mm -hmm. When your your plot of life reaches the end of time, it then goes into another life that you are maybe hallucinating. Right now, we could be hallucinating. Like we're in a DMT or maybe just trip. Me. Or maybe just you. Do you think this is what actually happens or you just think it's a fun idea? I think it's a fun idea and it's possible. Yeah. In that life that you've imagined or hallucinated, when you die in that life, it happens again. And in that life, it happens again. A life inside a death, inside a death, inside a life. And that doesn't scare you? No. I think that would be horrifying. Why? You'll never know the difference. It'll just feel like life every single time. You'll be blind to it. You don't think, I I just don't think that could be possible to live a whole life, die, become a different life and not have any connection to this life you've lived before. I think you would know. Or do you think that's what like deja vu is? Yeah, maybe this life experience in some way connects to that hallucination do you think you're connected to a past life maybe have you ever felt like it no i can't say i have maybe you're in your first life (laughs) maybe this is one you're in phase Uh, one we seem to be pretty late in the evolutionary world to be the first life of mine but maybe maybe i'm still your first life perspective maybe that's what you think Could, could be you know, these are questions that I like just uh, thinking about before I go to bed. Sorry about that, folks. It's okay. It's I'm going to put my radio voice on. Sorry about that, folks. <laughs> Your old-time radio voice. Yeah, I came out to Hollywood <laughs> to make it in the motion picture business. Yeah, that's about all I can say in that voice. Um, no, I'm not afraid of death, and I want to make movies about death, and I think it's important for me cathartically to do so. What else? Death and movies. What else do you want? Family. I said Death, that. family. Um, probably make a movie about pure absurdity in that way. Of, in a very... Um, <laughs> what's a, what's you just had a big name? eye roll. <laughs> what's his name? He wrote Eternal Sun's Fine. Oh, was, oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about the What's absurd. his name? Oh, fuck. I have a... I bought you... Uh, Charlie Kaufman, that's his name. Yeah. So, um, I bought you a book on... Charlie yeah, Kaufman. I just looked to my bookshelf. <laughs> Did you read it? Yeah, I've read the Eternal Sunshine part. Mm, good. Uh, Charlie Kaufman, he makes movies about a very cinematic, theatrical world, and nothing is real. It's all a metaphor. I could try my best at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Give me the stick. I don't know if I could do it. I could just try, you know? Of being... Of creating a world in which everything is representative of something else. Like that, uh, I'm thinking of ending things movie. Mm-hmm. What did the snow mean? Why is everything covered in snow? 
Why was there snow in the house? Why did Whenever everybody start changing clothes in every take? Why did things start changing? Was it about memory? Was it, you know, that kind of stuff. I, I thought it was interesting. But do you want to make films that are open-ended or do you want there to be an answer to everything? Or do you want people to interpret things? To however that I look at someone like Damien Chazelle. Damien Chazelle's movies end in two people staring at each other every time without fail. What like does that what, mean? What's, what movies does he make? I don't know. La La Land. Oh. Whiplash. Okay. I've seen La La, First La Land. First Man. He's made three films. He's like 30. Maybe 35. Mm-hmm. Um, all his movies end with two people staring at each other. Mm-hmm. I, that's not a spoiler. That's just how they end. What does that mean? And why does he do that? It is open-ended by nature, but it's also the end. And it feels like the end. With that staring at each other, it feels like something has happened and something occurred in the film and there was a plot and that is the end of whatever relationship between the two people staring at each other. Not the end of the relationship, but the end of the conflict, rather. I think it could be something along those lines. Okay. Of so what's, we feel what's like it's the end, but maybe it is still open-ended. We don't know what happens after, but it feels like there is resolution. Okay. So you want there, you want the movie? Okay, spoiler alert. We're going to talk about La La Land. If you haven't seen La La Land, what are you doing? It's been too long. Okay. Okay. When Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. is looking at Emma Stone and Emma Stone is there with her husband mm-hmm. and she's a big star and yeah. he's got his his jazz bar Yeah. and they look at each other and he gives her that soft smile mm-hmm. and those beautiful eyes that you, no. don't, you don't think Ryan no. Gosling's attractive no. and I find that hilarious. I don't think he's unattractive. Okay. But just... When they have that stare, they are both so proud of each other and they still love each other. But... They'll never be together, and they acknowledge that in that stare. And then she walks out the door, and the movie's over. There is resolution in that moment, but it's also open-ended. It's open to interpretation. Maybe that's just how I see it. Maybe other people saw it in a different way. Maybe they saw it as they're going to go get together. She's going to leave that guy. Maybe. It could be. So you saw it as they're smiling, I'm proud of you, but we're not going to be together. Yes. We will never be together. Okay. So you like that the whole movie up until that point is pretty straightforward. Everything that's happening is happening with reason. There's a meaning for it. No, no, it's no? musical. It's very, it's very out there. And sometimes the whole epilogue is but I'm a saying, big musical as number. As compared with... to something like Rabbits, where it's literally Ugh. nothing has. There is nothing There's not there. a plot. So I'm saying you want to make things that aren't absurd in the way that's like, it's just random shit the whole time. That you no. have meaning to, but you want something that's like a, a plot. Yes. And then in the end, it's like vaguely open-ended because you don't want it to be yeah. completely tied with a bow, but you want it to be mostly. I don't like, like the, they live happily ever after the okay. end. I don't like that the end. You like that they could, but you don't know for certain. Uh, okay. Maybe here's the answer. Okay. <laughs> I like when movies have the ending over a shot so this there's a still a motion picture shot happening and the credits roll over that you have mentioned that before you you I were upset when one movie ended which gangster. what movie was that um the movie under the skin yes you wanted th- the snow to keep falling and they cut it to a black screen and then did yes. credits. it would have been so cool if they they stayed on that and let the camera snow up cover. to the snow and then it was just 
the credits over that. I think that's the coolest shit you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, look at movies like Good Time, mm-hmm. where there's actually some plot stuff happening. Oh, and the credits are going. Um, I saw one movie the other day. Uh, the Darjeeling Limited. It's an Anderson, Wes Anderson movie. Uh, it's got Owen Wilson uh, and his brother, and you know, Adrian Brody's in it. Uh, uh, it's it's not a spoiler, but the train is moving through the shot, mm-hmm. and the, it's the the camera is on the train, and the train is moving, and the credits roll over that. I think that's gangster. Mm-hmm. So, a gangster being a, a positive adjective. <laughs> um, uh, sorry. So I want to do that, and my I, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you my film that I'm working on right now is gonna have that. I think that's cool. And be open-ended or you're just talking specifically? Yeah, it is open-ended. Okay. I mean, you know, you wrote it. Oh, the one that's already being made. Yes, thank okay. you. The film that we're working on. <laughs> I thought you were talking about a future thing you're working on. No, it, it there's a... I don't know. Honestly, I don't even know shot. how that ends, though. You, I feel like you've edited Girl, and changed. Girl, it ends the same way we wrote it. Okay. Girl, I didn't know. You said you changed a lot. I did. I changed so much. A lot got cut out. Uh, but that's that's the process. It's, yeah. it's it's all editing and trial and error. Yeah. And that's where we ended up was we're going to make this a lot simpler. This is way too complicated for a short There was film. a lot going on. There was a lot going on. So we decided to trim a lot of the fat. And we did. Uh, for the better. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Don't regret cutting anything so far. Uh, if we're at a strap for time, we won't be because it can be long. I don't care. Mm-hmm. 15 minutes isn't long enough for a short. Some festivals will be weird about it, but if we don't get in, we don't get in. You know, it's something we made for us. You know, I don't care. <laughs> I, 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 I'm proud of it. I am. Uh, as much as I want to be like some shots are not as stable as they could be. Oh, there's something out of focus in the back, mm-hmm. you know. It, it turned out really nicely and we had a great team put it all together. It's called Liminal. Um, coming soon to a festival near you, 2022. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about that. Co-wrote it I'm with excited. you. Yes. Uh, which we got to talk about how you want to go about your credit. Do you want a co-writer credit? Do you want... A written by credit. I don't know. We got to figure. We can that talk out. about that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is that is something that's like, I think, preventative of like this industry jargon. Yeah, we've already talked about it a little bit. Unions. The they difference all step between in to written me by. Make it more difficult. Huh? I mean, Sorry, I was pontificating. <laughs> we already talked about the difference between what was it? The written by blank and blank, or written by. Blank, I don't know. Ampersand blank. Ampersand, yeah, yeah, it's different for some fucking reason. It's stupid. Yeah. Uh, but it, it determines how people get paid, which I think is absurd again. Well, yeah, like everything is. Anyways, we talked about movies. We talked about. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm trying to see where we've been, so we don't. We started so I don't with food. Keep going. We did start with food. I forget about that. Yeah. Okay. Did that go well? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Okay. I think. I mean. I just don't want to be the guy that only talked about movies on the podcast. No, which we I could to... very well be. So, I, I for risk of me keeping going on about movies, 
I want you to talk about whatever you I feel. know, but I just... But movies I, are I, such I, a big part of your life. It makes are. sense. They are. Now it's pretty much everything. That's all I have. Um, I just... I wake up in the morning, I think about movies, I go to bed at night, I think about movies. Mm-hmm. You know? Literally, I'm playing movies in my head. So, just so, know that I'm that guy. And I'm not sorry about it. No. But uh, there's other things be? that I like. I don't know. I like... Uh, Running when my knee doesn't hurt, <laughs> you know. <laughs> old man knee. I like uh, airplanes. I like food. I do. I like cooking. I like food. I like um, traveling when there's no COVID, which will be soon. Yeah. What else? <laughs> Ask me a question, podcaster. I asked you this several months ago. It was over. I think it was in the fall. Mm. I asked you, in what ways do you think you deceive yourself? Do you remember what you said? Do you remember your answer? If not, I'm interested. Please enlighten me. I want you to answer it now, and then let's see if it's the same or not. Oh, you're going to see if I'm consistent. Okay. Oh, I'm just not even consistent, just to see if it's changed. Yeah. I would say I probably said... No, not what you said. How do I deceive myself? No, answer it Oh, like, how do I deceive myself on... Uh, May 28th? 29th. No! Um, I mean, this isn't getting published until like the end of June. <laughs> but yeah, right now, sitting here, who you are today, in what ways do you deceive yourself? I think I don't give myself enough credit for how far I've come. Why did that end in a question? Because I, I don't know. know if that's my final answer. I'd say it is though. Yeah, I don't I don't give myself credit for being here. Mm-hmm. Doing this. Being me. I've come a long way. It's been a it's been a a ride. It's been a tough journey. So why why'd you go with that answer? Because I feel it. I feel it to be true. Therefore it should be, right? Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I need, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like I've done a better job of acknowledging that this is part of the process, but I don't give myself enough credit for how far I am in the process okay. and how far I've made it Yeah, to where I'm at right now, oh, which is not super far. Again, not giving myself enough credit. I think you are okay with it because you're aware that you're often sometimes, or I don't know if it's sometimes or often, but I think it's often you're the youngest person Mm -hmm. at your position of work. Yeah. And this is where it gets interesting because you know me really well. And I think you. So you can call me out if I'm wrong. I don't think that, I don't think you deceive yourself that way. If that's what you're saying. Okay. (laughs) What did I say before? You feel like. You want to be ahead and that you are somewhat ahead because you're the youngest person at work most of the time in the position that you have and you like learning from other people. And I think you acknowledge how much work you've put into this, the hours and even the bad days, like you, how you've motivated yourself that you're not willing to give up even though you very easily could like a lot of people do, trying to get to feature length. That's what I said before? Yeah, you've talked about all those things. 
No, no, no. What did I say the time of a couple months ago when you oh, asked? Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, you said you think you're more emotional. You you thought you're more emotional than you actually oh. are is how you answered it before. I think I'm more emotional than I actually am. I still believe that. Okay. So that hasn't changed. Yeah. Um, I don't know how. What do you mean by that, though? Oh, that's such a good question. And that's a good answer that I gave the first time. I don't know if my answer this time was that good, but no, it was that is good. True. But um, in a very toxically masculine, perhaps, way, you think you are? Things don't affect me that much. Do you do that actively? No. You, you, you. I don't. I don't do it actively. Then how it's is just it toxic masculinity? Because if you're not choose, like mm. I feel like toxic masculinity would be something happening in your head. You have to make a conscious conscious decision. I'm not going to react emotionally because that's not masculine. I think that would be toxic. But if your natural state is just to not, maybe it came from that place. Is what I'm saying. I remember At first. Do you want to know? Then, and now it's just instinct. Do okay. I want to know what? I think when I asked you to expand more in the fall on this same answer, yep. you said you think I'm trying to I'm trying to word it correctly. You put you're worried to expend too much emotion on something because you think there's a cap on emotions. Because if you experience everything very emotionally, then you're gonna become numb to it. And so you want to save those real, like, deep emotions. You want to save those. Like, you don't ever want to let yourself get too sad yeah. or too happy because there could be a moment that deserves it more. Maybe that's a better answer. I don't <laughs> not feel it. I just put it off to when it's necessary. But that is a conscious decision. No. No. It is not. Okay. I promise you. <laughs> because I'm not like, oh, here's when I'm going to feel it. It's more like it doesn't make sense for me to feel this right now. And I don't what want do you to. Mean doesn't make it's sense. It's not a, a mental conversation I have with myself. It's just how it happens on its own. Okay. It's like, say I start thinking about something sad. Okay. For lack of a better word. And sad words. I'm like, oh, that thing is sad. I see it for what it is. But I'm not going to go through that emotional range right now when I'm driving to work. When I'm listening to NPR. Why not? Because why? Why? That makes no sense for me to do that. Wait, I just don't. So, I, so I'm a, I would rather feel it when I'm when, doing something that recalls it in a more personal way, in a more touching way. Mm -hmm. So when do you allow yourself, if that's an okay word. I don't know if it's allow, but I, for lack of a better word, when do you allow yourself to then feel these emotions that you've been like, okay, I feel this now, but we're going to fully get into that later. Yeah, It's not allow. Okay. Because I what don't is have it? to ask myself for permission. It's more of when does my emotional head feel it necessary? Necessary. So when, like when is... When does that come? Let's use an example. Did I say when is that come? When does? <laughs> I'm shaking my head right now. <laughs> when is that come? <laughs> when is that come? Well, 
that's a great segue into what I'm going to say. Oh, Jesus. oh, no. No, now we got to get out of this. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. no. We got to talk about something else. Too. <laughs> what's up? What's, what's, uh, when, what do when you do you feel that? these things? Happy, sad. <laughs> Let's use an example, guys. So, my grandmother's death affected yes. me very emotionally. Mm-hmm. And it was very emotional at the time. Okay. Now, when I look back on it, I acknowledge that it's probably one of the more sad moments in my life. But I'm not going to walk myself through everything that happened in that sequence of events mm-hmm. before I go to work. You know, it's uh-huh. if I think about it, I'm going to just, it's going to be a river and it's just going to be a thought that passes and goes on. I'm going to save those really emotional moments thinking about her mm-hmm. and her life mm-hmm. and what she did for us and everything. I'm going to save that for when we have her her birthday something okay. with the family when I'm with yeah. my mom, you know, yeah. I'm just me being here reading a book and it reminds me of her. That's another one. So you like the circumstances to align with the emotion? That's exactly right. I'm so glad okay. you said that. Exactly. Because there's so many times where I could be emotional and it's just like, I just, yeah, I'm not. And I, there's nothing that sparks it really. Okay. And it, that that can change. What do you, what can change? The circumstances, like you, you were talking about. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's where I think, uh, as I as you said, I don't. What is it? The question. The format of the question was. How in what ways do what you way deceive, do I deceive myself? Yeah, I might think that I am really good at feeling those feelings, and I have a good grasp on it. But then they all just come out. What do you... What, uh, hold on. They all yeah. come out. In those moments where it's it happens, it happens okay. hard because they've been stored up. Mm-hmm. And that's just how it goes for me. I know. And I again, this is how it works for me and I have a comfortable relationship with it. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't stop me from being happy. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but... I have noticed that I only do that with negative emotions. I don't feel them as hard or as often. But I choose but, to not complain and be on the bright side of life. Mm-hmm. That's my like motto. It's that dark optimism. Yeah, I don't <laughs> like I I don't like complaining. I don't like any of the negativity that people harbor, cynicism. Mm-hmm. I try and stay away from it as much as I can, but uh, positive emotions like nostalgia, I think is a positive emotion. You do. I do. I think it's really dangerous. It makes me really happy that things used to be so cool. What do you mean? I guess it depends what kind of nostalgia you're talking about. I had nostalgia about. for college. Uh-huh. You know, like I didn't get a proper graduation. I didn't get a proper senior year thanks to COVID. But before that, I'm really glad life was awesome. Mm-hmm. It was. I was doing a lot of cool stuff and I miss it from time to time and I don't I don't like stop that I don't want to not feel that when I'm having a great time with my friends and I just take a moment to myself and just see everybody's faces and how we're all laughing having a good time I really feel that I'm very grateful my gratitude is through the roof on all fronts I'm so happy all the time I really am I'm not just saying that because I'm manic or whatever I'm really happy 
I truly no, I, I I agree, but I'm. Do you not think? So you see nostalgia as a positive thing, though, is what I'm interested in because I see it yeah. as a negative thing. How so? Because. I don't know. I feel like you, if you sit too long and romanticize things of the past, then it could take you away from what's happening. And I feel like depending on what you're thinking of, you remember things you could, every time you remember something like any, any kind of memory, your emotional state of the time that you're remembering it influences the memory. So if I'm in a really good mood and I think about something from college then the next time I think about it, that memory now has this positive tone to it. And it, or if I think about something that happened at elementary school and I'm in a bad mood when I come up, come to that memory, I'm going to then associate more negative things to that. And so these memories get so jaded. I just, I feel like depending I mean, on how you look back at things, it could be dangerous to get too stuck in nostalgia because it's really a warped reality. It's never what you remember. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe. No, I, like I, it's true. You reconstruct a yeah, memory every time. And you know time. way more about psychology and all that stuff than me. So I believe you I and think, I trust you. But I choose to look at it as those were the good old days or or, or that was a good time. Mm -hmm. And this, what I'm living right now is kind of like that. Okay. It's just it's the only difference is that it's now. It's a it's a reminder that maybe there was something tough going on back then, but now I look back on it fondly. Mm -hmm. So whatever I'm tough dealing with right now isn't so bad because I'll look back on these times fondly too. I look back on the on the beginning of COVID or the middle of COVID when I met you. Those were great times, mm -hmm. but at the time I'm like, oh, COVID is making life really it was also shitty. Like horrible it <laughs> like, was terrible terrible people were time dying there was nothing going on it was a horrible time in history but i look back on that and i think that was time that i got to spend with my parents before i left home mm -hmm. that was time later on that was time that i met you and we okay. got a lot of time together that we otherwise wouldn't have because i would have work at, at the studio i see what you're saying like you just explained it really well that you look back on the bright side of it but you're not doing so in a way like you're upset or disappointed with something in your life now. So you're looking back at like the the phrase "good old days" kind of scares me because oh, I feel I love like the good old days. Yeah, but then "good old days" reminds me of like a 45 year old man having a midlife crisis trying to relive the good old days. Maybe is that's what, what I, I am. But that's scary because like midlife crisis, like they don't go well. It's a crisis. But like, if I'm having a midlife crisis at 23, then it's a quarter life crisis. I don't I'm think I'm not having a quarter life crisis. No, I'm not saying you are. I'm saying I have associated. <laughs> you are. No, I'm saying I have associated negative emotions to a midlife crisis, mm. or not to a midlife crisis. Fuck! What am I trying to say? I've a associated yeah. negative emotions to the phrase "good old days," but you've associated a positive one. So yes, when I think of nostalgia, it has the word "good." Yeah, but that implies current days aren't in my mind, even though in so. your mind it doesn't. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. We have a very different perspective. Why would you consider it as these days are not good? Even though the good old days are good back then, 
the present is not good. Why? Why does? Why is that exclusive? I don't know because I feel like when that phrase is used, it's somebody who's bored and they're thinking about the good old days because their their life is stagnant. So they're thinking about the crazy parties in college, their early twenties, the joys of being young, and now. They're bored, so they're thinking about the good old days. Mm -hmm. But I completely boredom. understand. What? Boredom. Yeah, I think it's the boredom. Stagnance, mostly. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. It makes absolute sense to think of it in a way, even though I'm going through some shitty things right now, when I look back with nostalgia at things I've been through before, I can still look at it positively, even though bad things were happening at the time. So you, it, it could relieve so pressure. So that's how I should look at it right now? It relieves the pressure. Yeah. Exactly. So that makes sense. I've never thought of it that way before. But that's, I like it. It's nirvana, dude. It's Probably won't do it, but I appreciate that you do. It's, it's just, very healthy. It, it helps me kind of let go. A little bit mm -hmm. and just stop worrying so much because I'm 23 mm -hmm. and I'm having a great time. Yeah. And there's a global pandemic still going on. Mm -hmm. and I'm still managing to enjoy myself as much as I can. Yeah. So if there were just, if there was a war that started tomorrow and I got drafted in the war, I would choose to be like, this is absurd and I don't want to be a soldier. But I'm going to look back on this and say I had a good time with my war buddies. I yeah. don't know. I, I don't know. It's, I think it all for you goes back to the dark optimism. Like I think that's literally the best way to put it is like you're very aware of suffering and you don't yes. ignore it. Look at the movie we wrote. That movie is about suffering. The movie, the way you think about your grandmother's death, the way you think about nostalgia, the way you think about being sad. It's my dandruff. All the way you think about your dandruff. Suffering. <laughs> You're suffering. But yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very, very accurate way to describe So how you. do we deal with suffering? You don't. What do you mean? What do you mean? What I don't do want mean? a life without suffering. That's what I'm saying. How do you deal with suffering? How does one deal with suffering? In the moment? Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> There's not one answer. I mean, I feel like is your answer, is it what we were talking about earlier, that unless it correlates with current circumstances, you deal with suffering by dealing with it? There's a lot of words there. I would say it's just accepting it. It's inevitable. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks they're suffering. I think there is a lot of suffering. I think I, no, no, no. There's <laughs> definitely a lot of suffering, but everybody has their own suffering. Everybody yeah. thinks they are suffering. They in are some suffering. Capacity. Yeah. Well, <laughs> look at someone like a billionaire who has a big empty house and no one in it. That's suffering. Not on paper. That person's doing great on paper, but he's probably really miserable. Yeah. That's everybody what I'm saying. Suffers. Everyone is suffering right. <laughs> in so, some level of it. Yeah. So I think just accepting where you're at and finding a way to be positive is... It's the way to go about suffering. Dark optimism. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, I think, the only way I can 
deal with this so-called life. Yeah. You've, you've figured it out for yourself I, to an so, extent. So far, yeah. What's working for you in the moment, at least? What's helped you before? What's helping you now? Who knows if you're going to need a different outlook in 5, 10, 20 years. That's probably going to change. Or maybe not. Maybe you're going to be consistent with that. But it's working for you now. It worked for you before. So I'm, I am worried it's a bit too resigned to any responsibility. How? Like... If others are suffering, I can't really change it by myself. I feel I like help. the optimism for that kind of suffering, though, could come in is you see others suffering. The optimism part could be how you help them mm. or how other, like how a community can help somebody or how you personally. I feel like the positive would be. that there is some degree in which you could help. It's not hands off if you really wanted to. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. <laughs> how, how, <laughs> I just glitched. <laughs> have you, Stitch had a glitch. Have you replaced the word interesting with fascinating after watching? Good what, question. What no. Is, what is that movie? Captain fantastic i think that's exactly what it's called Captain. great job you uh, watched a film and you remembered it and you enjoyed it question mark mm, yeah that's what i thought um the thing i did like about it was that it's made me very aware of the word interesting <laughs> other so, than that no if you haven't seen it it's this figo mortensen character who's a dad who has his kids and homeschools them in the middle of the pacific northwest woodlands and um one of the kids says, the book that I'm reading is interesting. And he goes, nope, interesting. You can't use that word. More analysis. And I've thus taken a step back whenever I say the word interesting and been like, what do I really mean by interesting? I've been because doing... interesting is kind of vague. Yeah. I've, I've been, been very aware of it. I still use it. I still use it too, but I, but I, I feel like myself it's... When I use it. You hate yourself? Yeah. I just... I, unfortunately, I do too. Yeah. And, and it's made me just very aware of how much I used it and... Oh, there's so many other words, but I'm worried I'm going to start using fascinating more because of it whenever it still is the same thing. Like I need to make sure I'm using descriptive words beyond interesting, fascinating. You, I think maybe the solution is instead of using an adverb there, always use an adjective. That's or, very... Or go beyond one word and describe whatever you think is interesting. Be like... I like how you explained this or I've never thought about it like this. And so just, oh yeah, that's interesting. Like maybe form a thought. For, that's what she did in the movie, the kid. Yeah. She then gave her thoughts on the book instead of using another word, like it's imaginative. No, she gave like an analysis. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Are you fake vaping with my pen? No, just, it's, it's like my, uh, it's like my tick. Uh-huh. It's a nervous tick or something. Have you seen the movie? Actually, we're not talking about movies again. That's right. You, are, you don't want to. You're actively avoiding. I think we shouldn't because then it's going to be the whole thing. <laughs> Have you enjoyed talking to me in this podcast? I've very much enjoyed it. Is there I any feel other like questions I've... you'd like to ask me? I mean, I'm going to continue asking questions. No, let's for... ask them here. Let no. it rip. This can't go on for years and years and years. Oh, you like, want to wrap has, it up? It has to end at some point. Um, but I do want to say... I I'm feel having like, a good time. huh? I'm having a good time. Well, is there something? Why? What else? Was there something? I'm going to ask you a question, Erica. Uh -oh. mm. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, what would you say was the main reason you started this podcast? Hmm. Quick. Talking to people, learning uh -huh. about people, everybody. Um, because I can reach out to whoever and like go to lunch or have a coffee, but I feel like something happens psychologically. Obviously something happens psychologically when there's a microphone in front of you and there's no waiter or waitress to break up the conversation. There's no other than I have like waters here, but there's no food to be eaten. There's no phone calls that could be coming in that you're going to run off and take. There's like, I think it's very, very rare to sit down at a table across from somebody and have to look them in the eye for about a minimum of an hour. It could be less, could be more. It's not strict, but I think that's a very rare form of communication that I wasn't even doing. And I wanted to, I wanted to do that and see what people would be willing to talk about. And I just wanted to learn about people of all, all different kinds. of. And have you gotten that from it so far? Yeah. I've learned a lot about beyond like other people's stories and experiences. Obviously that's great. And that's the whole point of it. But like, it's been, <laughs> it's been interesting. Ooh. I've liked to see what other things I've learned from it as a side effect that I wasn't anticipating. Like, analyzing my communication style things I thought I was good at, but then actually listening to myself talk for hours mm. when I listen back to things, it's made me a lot more aware of things that I'm doing that I don't like that are annoying or <laughs> saying the word like mm. talking over people, putting words in people's mouths, stuff like that. Oh, terror. Huh? That's where I'll listen to this and I'll be like, oh, Frank, what? I do that too. I'm going to be somewhat critical of this. Yeah, I feel like everyone probably is if you had to sit and listen to yourself talk for an hour. And I knew that was going to happen, but I thought I thought I was mostly going to be paying attention to, okay, what what kind of questions should I ask? What's working? What's not? But I've I've learned a lot about communication. I've only published 10 at this point mm -hmm. I've recorded. I think this is my 15th. No, I, mm, I don't know. I have them written, but should we talk about our relationship or do you not want people to be nosy? I don't, I have no boundaries really. No boundaries. <laughs> like, why? What is there like something song, you'd like to talk about? I dropped the pen. <gasps> the um, quiet pen. What, do you no, I just think it could be interesting for your audience to hear about you and me. Well, what about us? Something we have that other guests don't have. Romance. Romance. <laughs> Spark. I burped. Oh, wow. Should well, we talk about that? I don't mind, but why? What do you... What do mm. you... Should I ask a question? Sure. Okay, let me come up with one. <laughs> How do you think mm. others look at our relationship? Think of our friends, family to an extent, strangers, waitresses. Waitresses. Like, like anybody who's encountered us as a couple, mm -hmm. 
from I, from I, strangers to people who know us very well, what do you think the varying perspectives of our relationship I is? Honestly, I have no idea. You don't know. Have you ever thought about it? No. I just I like to think I'm present. I'm not worried about what other people are thinking. But, but when you're alone I, at night. <laughs> that's when I'm when, alone at I night? I don't think about it in the moment, but actually I think about fucking everything. I'll, mm, I probably do think about it in the moment too. Let's talk about that. What do you mean? No, no. I, you need you to answer the about, question. <laughs> no, you just said something that confused me. Can I ask about it? I was just saying I thought I only thought about the third perspective of us like when I'm alone, but that's not true. I definitely do in the moment sometimes. Not all the time, but mm. that's all I was saying. But but you've never thought about it, so this is a fresh walk through in your mind of how you're going to arrive to whatever answer. Yeah, I'd say like waitresses would say like when you and I are on a date, mm -hmm. we don't run out of things to talk about. We just mm -hmm. keep going. Mm -hmm. Kind of like this podcast. We mm -hmm. just like every conversation has lulls, but we're never just like sitting staring at our phones. We're yes. always engaged with each other. Yes. We're not engaged, but we're engaged <laughs> we're with each other. You always know, engaged. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it, there's no, there's nothing we can't reanalyze or go back to, even though I feel like we spend more time with each other than probably anyone else. Yeah. Maybe work people. <gasps> I spend a lot of time with them. Drama. I know. <laughs> I, that's a good question. How do you feel about me working so much? No, no, you still. I, I answer the We'll question. get to that. We'll get to that. Okay. I'll keep it in the back of my mind. Okay. But keep going. So you think a very that's how waitresses feel. Yeah. Stranger perspective: somebody walking by us in a restaurant is like, oh, they're in a, <laughs> they're an engaged, they're a communicative yeah. couple. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like our friends. Yeah. What do you think they think? Um. Probably that we're just really easygoing, mm -hmm. and we don't. We're not prohibitive of each other in any way we mm -hmm. communicate really well mm -hmm. there's no he said she said yeah like we've never know. had like a big fight we've had very any fight we've had vehement is that a word vehement, <laughs> vehement disagreements what is Vehement. Vehement. I believe it's a word. Please look it up. I, I don't even know how to go we've about had, spelling that. Hold on. Can we've you had very that? strong disagreements that we've debated over, but they were never about each other. They were about things outside of you and me. Vehement. Showing strong feeling. I've never heard that word. Thank you. Nice. So Good job. You're welcome. More you're welcome than thank you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we've had vehement disagreements and it was it was something so completely outside of us that I don't feel like... It was a fight. It was more of a debate. Or there's like no, about the food thing. We yeah, disagree. The and calorie you counting. Me yeah. And I defended myself. But I don't think that's a fight. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's a fight. I think and we articulated brought... our opinions as a disagreement, but it wasn't personal mm -hmm. at all. Yeah. At least I don't think so. No. And I think our friends know that about us. Is that we... We've never brought, like... We're not... Drama. We're not dramatic <laughs> at all. We're not dramatic. We're not jealous people. We have a good time. We support each other. Uh, we're just very easygoing. There's no... There's no... It's not a very tumultuous relationship. Mm -hmm. There's no ups and downs. It seems mm -hmm. like it's just been exponentially getting better. Yeah. I feel like any time... 
when it comes to disagreements, it, it yeah, like you were saying, it's either like the random perspectives of things that are more debates than arguments, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah. Um, I think the most recent thing that I was struggling with was probably like the emotional thing. But I've, mm-hmm. instead of taking it personally, that, th- I've tried to understand. Let's and clarify the, the, that I'm not very emotional. That I'm a super emotional person. I'm mm. very driven by emotion. And I, I've come to the understanding I cannot expect others to do, to be at that same extreme. Like it's. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can I, understand it, but I will not be like it. Yeah. And you just process things very differently. And I used to take that used like it was probably the most recent thing I was upset about is that. And it's because I was taking it personally, but then I just realized how narrow minded that was to be like, expect you to have the exact same emotional reaction to everything that I, I mean, I'm saying yeah. that as an extreme example. Yeah, I don't, I don't really do that. No, like the, like you were saying, if I was driving to work, I'd work from home, but if I was driving to work <laughs> and I started thinking about something really sad, I would let myself get really deep into that sadness <laughs> Yeah. right then and there, no yeah. matter where I am. You like would. I'm very, but then you, you save it for the circumstances. And I think I used to, there was, I, I wasn't upset. I just struggled in understanding why you didn't do that. But now I've come to this point <laughs> where I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, Erica, like obviously you knew this, you studied psychology and it, it was just like, frustrating that it took me so long to accept that and come to this realization of something so obvious that everybody processes emotion very differently. Mm-hmm. And it's not just because I'm experiencing it. That's not everybody else's experience. Yeah. So I feel like we don't have big blow up fights. It's either Never. little random debates or like if one of us doesn't understand something, we talk about it and try to understand, get the other person's perspective. Mm-hmm. I think that's, I like it. <laughs> I think it's, it's working good. pretty well for me. Yeah, it's working as of now. It seems good. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get to the, down to the, what do you think about me working so much? I understand it right now. I'm fine because I'm perfectly fine being alone. I lived alone for three years in college, sophomore, junior, and senior year, I was alone. And then now I live alone. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say that. Um, I have. No one knows where you live. Uh, yeah, I was like, there's a lot of security. <laughs> so right. maybe, right. I don't know. Anyways, um, yeah, I live alone. And so I'm very okay with being alone. So if you're working a lot, I'm not bored. I I like being around you and I prefer to be with you because I enjoy time with you. But also if you're working until 2 a.m. or I can't see you for five days, I keep myself very busy with my own things that I know when I do see you, like it's not going to be any weird tension. Like I, I've never felt that. Yeah. I I know you feel that way, and that's that's good. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the inconsistency of it, though? 
Because I have like, I, basically no set schedule sometimes. But I get it. It's just what your job is. Like it would be, I think it'd be stupid for me to be upset because I know what you do. I know what you're passionate about. I know what your job is. And dating you is a part of accepting that. Yeah. And knowing that's a part of what you're signing up for, you know? Yeah. But what if it was something important to you that I missed because I had to stay at work? Well, I don't, has that happened? It, no, but if it ever did. Oh, I don't know. Cause that hasn't happened yet. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's get like, what, let's say we, my birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so important. <laughs> sure. That's no, that's important. Your birthday. If I missed your birthday dinner uh-huh. because I was far away and I couldn't make the drive back yeah. and our work made me go to mm-hmm. Arizona or something like that. Okay. I already know my answer. Yeah. Again, of course I'd be bummed because I'd want you to be there. But I'm not going to hold that over your head or make you feel like shit for something that's out of your control. It's work asking you to stay and do something. And I know you want to make a good impression and be a good employee and have a good reputation. And it would be selfish of me to expect a birthday dinner comes over something that like you're super passionate about because you and I, even if you didn't go to the birthday dinner, I, what the, what is it called? The apology language. We took that test. My apology Mm. language was, what's the word? Restitution. Restitution. So it's like. And what was mine? So all I would, yours is, um, I forget the word for it, but yours was, um, you want, when somebody apologizes to you, you want them to acknowledge what they did wrong and why it was wrong. Instead of just being like, sorry, or okay, sorry, let me make it up to you want them to know why your feelings were hurt. Mm. And then mine if you were to miss a birthday dinner or something important for me, I would understand, but I would want you and I to do something restitution. I would want it to be made up for somehow. Like you and I may be going to our own dinner the next night or whenever you're free or something like that. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it hasn't happened, but that was my first emotional reaction (laughs) to like you even asking the question. So I feel like, why? How do you feel about working so much? I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I know you love it, so yeah. I'm not. It's not that big a deal for me. Uh, it is very physically exhausting. Yeah. And I feel bad about that for you. Like, it makes me sad. Why? <laughs> like, that sometimes you're just like so overworked, but at the same time, I know you're doing what you love. So I'm, I don't think I've, well, let me think. I don't want to just be talking on my ass, but I truly don't think no, I've been upset Cause there's been plenty of times where you've had to cancel reschedule. Things are going to go later. There's been things like that. Mm-hmm. And then when I come here and I'm staying the night at your place and mm-hmm. I still have work to do and I'm on the that's laptop fine. in bed. That's fine because I know that's just work. I think the only time I get, the only time that work has like upset me, but I, don't, I don't even know if upset's the right word, but it's, if you had a long day at work and you do come over and stay the night here, it's like right when you come here, like you'll eat something and then go straight to bed, like straight to sleep. And yeah, like why even come over? Not even that. Like I like to spend time with you, but it's like I at that point, because I work from home. So I have like, I'm excited and I have like a lot I want to talk about. But then you're physically exhausted. You've been running around all day where I've been like sitting in my apartment essentially or a coffee shop or whatever. Like I have very minimal, minimal, minimal physical work I do. Whereas Mm -hmm. yours is like very physical. So 
and can be. and yeah. your hours are a lot crazier than mine. Mine are very consistent. So I feel like that's the only time that I've been like, I guess sad would be a fine word. Because mm-hmm. I once again, I understood, but it was just like, I was excited, wanted to talk to you, but then it's like, here, eat, sleep. And there was like very little conversation. Yeah. But it's also not like that every single time. So I get it, you know? Mm-hmm. What do you, I mean, I know you like work, but how do you feel like it's affected relationships? Even beyond, you can, I mean, with me, but I feel like we have similar perspectives. But in general, with like my friendships, friendships, me, family. Um, well, my friends all kind of do what I do, so they get it. Mm-hmm. Never had a problem with any yeah. friend. Um, my friends all know that I'm kind of, unless it's a weekend, I'm pretty much out. Yeah. Um, I'd say my family doesn't have a very big understanding of what it is I do. Mm -hmm. It's probably my fault for not being very descriptive, but then again, they don't ask very much. They're just, they're supportive. They're very supportive, but they don't think they have much interest in it. What if they just don't know the right questions to ask because they it's don't know about true. it? It's probably true. Because maybe if you true. just start talking about it more, then they could have more and to I've, inquire. I've about. resorted to that. That's exactly what I'm doing. Just start saying random shit, and, and then, then my they'll mom's have questions. Like, what is that? Yeah, and I, exactly. We'll explain it. And um, I remember one day my mom and I were going on a walk in the neighborhood, and I explained to her beginning to end how you finance a film because she asked. Uh huh. <laughs> And then I was like, why do you really care about this? And she was like, I just want to hear you talk about it. I yeah, just want to exactly. know that you know. I just don't think they know what questions to ask because it's not yeah. an industry they're involved in. Yeah. And, which and makes sense. that's like how they feel about it. But but in terms of the hours, yeah. I would probably call home the same amount if I was unemployed. Mm-hmm. I don't think it affects it that much. Because mm-hmm. I drive a lot for work and I call my mom when I drive and I call my dad when I'm have a weekend or I'm not, I'm on the car, you know, I, I find time to, to talk to them. Uh, I find time to talk to you. I find time. I'm working on finding a balance physically in my life mm-hmm. so that I'm not so exhausted, finding a way to get eight hours of sleep, finding a way to eat healthy all the time. Even when you're ordering out, finding a way to work out five, six days a week. That's tough when I'm working this many hours because mm-hmm. I'm tired. Should I go to the gym? And probably not. It wouldn't be good. I wouldn't have a good workout. So should I go in the morning? Should I wake up earlier and cut out the eight hours of sleep? Probably not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a tough balancing act I'm, I'm working on. Um, and then maintaining friendships with like 15 people, maintaining a relationship with you. It's all happening and I'm letting it come and go and and trying my best in every waking moment to do what's best for mm-hmm. for me and my career and for all the relationships I have, trying to see what it is I can do to sustain that and live a very happy life. I think you're doing a good job of balancing it now. I think so. It didn't start that way. When? Like very beginning. Like before we met or are you saying beginning? Before we met. Yeah. Okay. Like you had no balance. It well, was I had all nothing else to do. I was here alone. Oh, okay. I didn't have a ton of friends. I didn't have you. I was just working home. So I yeah. tried to stay at work as much as possible. And it was just exhausting. Okay. Well, I feel like you have a good balance right now. But do you worry at all 
about the future. If you were to have a family of your own, not just your parents, but like if you had kids, mm-hmm. are you worried or have you thought about how you're going to balance that? Make sure like you're still a part of their lives. Absolutely. Or you do worry about it? I or do worry f- about it. What do you think is going to happen? Do you? I don't know. I know people who are in the position that I want to be in mm-hmm. and they're not super present mm-hmm. um, because one of the producers I worked with, I can't say his name, he told me that the show is like a submarine and you get into it and then you're underwater and then when it resurfaces, you reacquaint yourself with your family. Oh, and with that your family. Me. Yeah, horrified me the way he put that. Yeah, that's really scary. But he was an executive producer at a big mm-hmm. network show, and he was a very, very busy guy. Yeah. Um, but I'll never forget the way he put that because I don't want that to be me. Yeah. I want to be a family man, but also the boss. <laughs> I, I have no idea what will happen. Yeah. But I would say if I'm intentional with my time, spent at home, then I can balance it. If I have to make a sacrifice and when I'm older and I'm not so conscious about, you know, how my hair and skin looks and how well rested I look, that compromise will probably be sleep. I'd imagine when it's not so important to get sleep, like when you're younger, uh-huh. um, when I'm like, 45, 50. Like when you care less about maintaining your physical appearance. Is that what you're saying? That's just health. Overall health comes from sleep. But when you get older, you need less of it. Is that true? Yeah, that's very true. According to statistics was my favorite quote (laughs) ever from speech and debate. This one guy got up there and he said, according to statistics, not not a source. No, no. but according, according to statistics, to statistics. The, the older you get, the less sleep you need. I think that's true. No. The more sleep you get because you have more time, but the less sleep you need. Wait, say that again. The more... You get more sleep because if you're retired, what else are you going to do? But you need it less? You need it less. I've never You can get that. away with getting less at an older age. I believe that to be true. Uh, I could is it be, compared to like when you're so an infant versus adulthood? Or is that adulthood the versus... Most sleep, yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. Is the study saying... Infants and then adulthood, you need less sleep. Infants, or is it- kids, teenagers need the same amount of sleep. They need no, a, a, a relative. They need a ton, right? Once you're early twenty but something, it goes down to like and seven elderly. hours. You say elderly need less. Yeah, like five hours minimum. Okay, I've never heard of that. It's not a lot. It's less than you think. I, 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 I could be bullshit. <laughs> you never know. Where was I? Oh, yeah. So that's probably going to be the, the, the compromises. I'll sleep less and I'll spend time with my family and work a lot. Uh-huh. I could probably handle that. What is it? Just being tired all the time? I'm well, already not there. not tired all the time if you need less sleep. Yeah, maybe. We'll <laughs> According to statistics, like. you'll According be fine. According to I want to know if you could travel anywhere in the world post-COVID, where would you go? No, I don't know. I have I haven't been anywhere. I haven't in, been anywhere in Europe. I've in Europe. I've stayed North America, South America. I've been right here. I That's haven't pretty gone. Cool. It is. I've really enjoyed the places I've been, but I feel like I don't know. I just for as much as I like to travel, 
and I haven't been to Europe anywhere. Italy. Italy. Yeah, I really want to go there. I feel like I would enjoy that very much. Fuck yeah, do it. I probably will. <laughs> but I'm not even thinking about it yet because it's, who knows, you know, when that would happen. Okay. Well. Have you learned? Well, have I learned? Anything new about me during this chit chat? Or no? Let's let's retrace our steps a little bit. Calorie counting. Yeah. <laughs> um, see, this is the hardest part of when I'm trying to come up with like titles and descriptions yeah. for the episodes. Remembering what we said. It's so, so hard to remember. I'd say I didn't know you felt that way about nostalgia. I didn't know you saw it as a negative thing. Mm -hmm. I know you feel it. I didn't know you felt it negatively. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. That's something you learned. <laughs> what? That's something I learned. There you go. Yeah. Uh, did you learn anything new about me? <laughs> you didn't even make eye contact with me. Yes, I'm being, I'm being coy. You're shy. Uh, same thing. I didn't realize you looked at nostalgia so positively. You can't use mine. I yeah. was going to say that that's anyways. Just, I will come up with another, <laughs> but I promise you, I was going to say that okay. as mine anyways. Okay. That I didn't know you thought about it positively. Mm. Also, oh God, I had two. I had two. One was nostalgia. Yeah. One, oh, I knew the thing about not wanting to experience the negative emotion and like wanting to save it for later, but I thought it was more of like an allowance thing. But now the something about the parallel of circumstance meets emotion like made it click for me to like really understand what's going on in your head over there. <laughs> that helped me. It's fumbling around in the, the dome. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Did you get that I said interesting? Interesting. Yeah, okay. That's fascinating. It's yeah. absolutely fascinating, darling. Okay. Um, well, how I, does how do you, how does this go? How do how do you end a podcast? Well, no, I'm still thinking if there was anything else new. I think I knew the rest. I just think I got a lot more details. Like, uh -huh. I knew you liked putting death and family and, like, absurd things into films, but having you specify it, like, putting a word to it, those three words, and yeah. and um, something about the... What the fuck was it? Dark... No, wait. Dark optimism. Dark optimism. Love it. That was another huge moment of, like, clicking for me, understanding you a little better. That makes me very thankful. We did this today. Right on. <laughs> so. And to that I say, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Well. Well. Is there anything you would like to plug? Do you want to, like your Instagram, a film, a book, and um, any Instagram or nothing, Twitter? I don't know. What I will say is if your passion is film, movies, TV, and any of that, and you listen to this and you didn't think I was a complete asshole and you want to work with me in some capacity... Please reach out. Um, How? Oh, that's a good question. Probably Instagram. Mm -hmm. DM me. My name is Andrew B. Mac. That's your at? That's my at. <laughs> it's Andrew. What's your at, baby? The letter B as in boy or as in Bailey because that's my middle name. Mac, M-A-C. Like the computer. Uh, <laughs> what was that one? Like the computer. Like the computer. That's just how I would an uh, analogize. Analogize? 
anal- uh, um, <laughs> that it's analogous in that capacity. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm really smart. You can tell. Oh, I also learned a new word. Oh, analogous. No, not analogous. What was it? Uh, oh, vehement. Vehement. I can't even say it. Vehement. Yeah. Yeah. I also learned that during this. It might not be how you pronounce it. Press the pronunciation button. Let's see. I don't know if it's going to work while recording. Vehement. Vehement. Yeah. Nice. Oh, I'm glad I was right. <laughs> if I had been saying it wrong, I would have been stupid. All right. Well, anything else you want to plug or are you good? Anything else I want to plug? Uh, no. All right. Well, the Instagram for the podcast is that everything with Erica podcast and mine is just Erica underscore Sullivan. So if you want to follow out, you can. Well, thank you. Well, cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Beautiful. Cheers. Bye. Bye. <laughs>